You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. The last time you listened to us on Pod Like a Raven, I was stretching out Tony Jefferson signing news for five to ten minutes because it was a pretty thin episode in terms of Ravens news. But not this day. On this day, we have all of the Ravens signing news, players coming in, players going out. Oh, by the way, a few quarterbacks have moved in the NFL. So many things to talk about. We are excited to bring it to you here on Pod Like a Raven. So yeah, we went from two weeks ago of having not not many of the things to talk about, and now this week we're trying to trim stuff, we're trying to figure out what you need to hear, what is the important news from the Ravens and from the NFL, and we're going to try to bring you as much of it as possible in the most streamlined way. Uh, we'll see what happens two and a half hours from now. I am Antonio Barbera. And I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I'm excited to see him. It's been two weeks. Again, it feels like six months. Um, this may not last long until I try to convince these two to start doing it every week again. Because I miss talking to him about the Ravens and the NFL. Starting on the West Coast with Jace Evans. Jace, I've already made fun of this three times before we even started recording. Jace went to the beach yesterday. It's fine. It's March. I think... On the East Coast, it's been okay weather-wise, but we'll drop back down into the 50s. But, Jace, uh, beach time already in L.A. for you, so uh, things must be going pretty pretty well. Yeah, it was, it was a solid beach day, a little windy, but, you know, can I really complain about that, Antonio? And, uh, and you know, champagne problems, I suppose. But I'm excited. I'm re- excited to be back. Um, I think the moves the Ravens have made, I am very enthusiastic about. I feel better about this team than I did uh, two weeks ago when we last convened, and... Uh, Yeah, uh, stunning. I can't remember a more whirlwind NFL offseason where seemingly so much seismic news has happened, especially on the quarterback front. I mean, we have just wholesale changes, it feels like, across the league at the most important position. So, I mean, the NFL never stops, and it seems especially true this year. They've just been – it feels like busier than even during the season sometimes at work. Uh, So, yeah, it's, it's been busy, but I'm ready to talk about it with you all. Tim texted this in our thread at a certain point, so I don't want to just steal it, but 
the NFL is getting to a like this league <laughs> levels of off-season drama that, that used to only be uh, paralleled in the NBA. Tim, on the East Coast, how you doing, man? This league! You did steal it. I was literally going to open with this league! Yeah, I, I, it's... It's insane. I mean, there's so much stuff to talk about since we convened a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, honestly, the Ravens have a pretty significant part in some of it, which, you know, usually this podcast at this time of year would be spent on, well, wave two of free agency is coming up. And this is where Eric DaCosta really loves (laughs) finding those gems in in the rough or diamonds in the rough or what have you. And we actually have some legitimate, legitimate players to, to talk about here. So I'm excited to get started. Let's, let's get right into it. And we're going to go with the biggest deal first, Tim and Jace. And that is the Ravens signing early in free agency. Premier signing of safety Marcus Williams to a five-year, $70 million deal. I will be honest, and this is... See, I'm not afraid to be honest and vulnerable uh, on this show. I know football pretty well. And I really had little to no idea who Marcus Williams was at first. Uh... And then after I learned the name and figured out who he is, I was more and more impressed, Tim, with uh, this guy who's not just, like, a starter, not just a a, a fill-in that we need in the secondary, but he's a dude, a true dude that we need to fill a lot of different uh, needs. Well, I think it's it's a great point, Antonio, that you bring up, because I think part of that is, with Marcus Williams, this deal, which the Ravens, it looks like a lot of money, but in terms of... you know, high-end safety money, Jamal Adams money, Justin Simmons money. It's below all of those. And the reason we might not know Marcus Williams as much is because this is not necessarily a pay-me-for-what-I've-done-in-this-league-already uh, kind kind of contract. This is a project, projecting, excuse me, how good Marcus Williams is going to be based on what we've already seen, which is stellar for the New Orleans Saints, and bring him into Baltimore. He's going to be 26 years old in mid-September, so by the time the contract ends, he's going to be 31. I mean, that's – if all – all everything goes well, that is a magnificent deal for a guy that you're going to get five years of his prime as a playmaking center field safety. It feels so good. I love Chuck Clark. I love Deshaun uh, Elliott. I love guys like that. But Jace has been hammering this. All season long, as we had the you know the beleaguered secondary, your Kevon Seymour's hate to do it to him again. Robert Jackson, I believe, was another guy. There was not enough playmakers in that defensive secondary, and the Ravens, even though everybody wanted Tyron Matthew because he's the name, the Ravens Twitter was blowing up about Tyron Matthew, and I I agree. You know, I thought that would have been great too. They got the younger, better guy for probably a little bit more money, seeing as at the time we record this, Matthew still hasn't found a deal anywhere. But a guy who probably sneaky could be their biggest need. I mean, we've talked offensive line. We're talking edge rushers. We'll get into all of that in just a second. But turnovers, man, has been – been, the Ravens have been abysmal at that. And this is a guy that can impact a game – in a way that a certain man coming out of the University of Miami who wore number 20 for the Baltimore Ravens did so often. So, yeah, I'm ecstatic here, even as, like you said, Antonio, a guy that maybe I didn't know too much about of, uh, too much about, excuse me, but then when all the smart football people that you trust are, like, just wowed by the deal, you you look them up a little bit more, you're like, oh, yeah, DaCosta did it again. Let's go. Yeah, he kind of seemed like his money actually, like you mentioned, came in a little under what people kind of expected under that Justin yeah, Simmons, uh-huh. yeah. um, Jamal Adams tier. But I, I was really 
a surprised by this deal because this is a, just a big swing we don't see the Ravens take a lot. Um, it, like you, you know, we, they signed Earl Thomas a few years ago. That was a solid, a big swing. Didn't work out. Um, but if you need reminding, our big Ravens off uh, offseason addition last year was Kevin Zeitler. Uh, and, you know, no offense to him, he was probably the best player on the offensive line last year. <laughs> not, <laughs> not as exciting as uh, the Marcus Williams addition. He's just, uh, he's just such a key, you know, he fills a need so good. And I think the thing that excites me the most is his age. As you mentioned, he, he turns 26, like, days before the season starts. Um, and so you're, you're, you're basically, you're getting a player in his absolute prime, and yeah, you pay good money for that, but it's you know it, it's a guy that they um, they don't have they don't have, they haven't had this guy who can force turnovers uh, in several years, um, and that's what Marcus Williams you know does well. He as Tim said, kind of the ball hawk, center field, uh, deep. He played very deep for, for the Saints. He could cover a lot of ground. Fifteen interceptions since he came into the NFL. Whole bunch of pass deflections. Uh, he just, he's just, he's just what the secondary was missing. And I agree. I didn't think of secondary, like especially safety, as like an immediate need for the Ravens when we did our uh, exercise. I believe just on our last show about talk, kind of talking about some of the combine standouts and who we want the Ravens to draft. And we kind of talked about like Sauce Gardner. And I was like, oh, we don't really need secondary. And then you looked at the list, and that as Tim mentioned, after Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. There was not a lot there. So to get a, a, a real play kind of playmaker like Marcus Williams in his prime, uh, I just think it's a good move. It's a shrewd move. And, you know, this is what free agency is for. They haven't been able to draft this guy, the playmaker on the back end. They um, have drafted Chuck Clarks, Deshaun Elliott's, your big hitter as well. The one thing that people have said about Marcus Williams, he might not be the best tackler in the world, which, uh, you know, is evidence. If you don't know, Marcus Williams' most famous play is not tackling Stefan Diggs. Um on the Minneapolis miracle. Uh, but I think credit to him that he's forged this great career out of that horrible moment from his rookie year. By all accounts, he's a real stand-up guy. He's grown from it. I mean, pretty impressively, he took questions as a rookie after that game, after that gaffe. He seems like a real stand-up guy. And so to just like bounce back from that, like you think a mistake that big would be the first thing everyone says about Marcus Williams. But, uh, you know, he's the fact that he's been able to kind of rally from that moment, I, I think speaks to kind of his character and uh, the level of player he is. So I'm, I'm really excited to have him, and I think he's going to be a great addition. I think, too, what this does as well. Um, and, and, look, the Ravens, the Ravens have tried – free safety for a while Eric Weddle I would consider that a hit Earl Thomas a miss for more reasons than one that we don't have to get into now that we covered at length when that happened this guy is a younger guy and not only what we what we what everybody says he can do deep guy uh, deep safety rangy makes plays on the ball but let's talk about what he does for the rest of the secondary Brandon Stevens now who for my money, was incredibly impressive as a rookie. Maybe the most impressive rookie just based on expectation as well for the Ravens last year. Can solidify that slot corner spot space. And if they don't, or if they sign somebody else, maybe Brandon Stevens is a spot starter somewhere. He can move around a little bit more. He doesn't have to be pegged into that free safety role, which might not be his best role. And you want somebody that's a little more reliable there, especially because, you know, Stevens is still kind of learning his game. And... What was the worst thing about this defense last year? It wasn't getting to the quarterback. It was giving up good, big plays. This prevents that, and not because you have a guy on the back end who quarterbacks are going to be scared to throw the ball at, who can make the tackle if other guys get beat, even though I know the Stefan Diggs thing. It happened a long time ago. We don't need to bring it up over and over and over again. He's improved since then. But 
not only is he a turnover machine, he helps guys like Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters take more risks. What does Marcus Peters love doing? Taking risks. Now he says, now in his head, he might be able to potentially bite on that corner without, uh, without on that corner route or like a button hook route or whatever it is without having the thought of, oh, I might not have any help back here because he knows he's got somebody to help him on the back end. And maybe that creates more turnovers, not only with Marcus Williams himself making plays, but his presence alone allowing other guys to make plays as well. Yeah, we love it. I, I, a few things I want to add here. It's funny now, Eric DaCosta multiple times in the offseason kept talking about the secondary as a major need and it was sort of this like that it seems odd that he keeps bringing this up it doesn't seem like their biggest area of need and he wasn't really bluffing at all he clearly (laughs) viewed this as maybe their most important area and made the biggest deal on the early obviously they were aggressive in in trying to get Williams because of how early this deal happened and, and what the years and the money ended up being so uh, so, some honest press conference quotes from DaCosta with his uh, his desire to fix a position that has been a problem for the last few seasons. And this is dovetailing into my second point that we've touched, down, touched on already. It's the Earl Thomas decision. And I think that mistake, as Jace mentioned, the Ravens do not make the big swings in free agency. And that was really one of the last big ones that they made in 2019 and I think they were sort of still licking their wounds a little bit in the last few off-seasons, both financially and just philosophically, and, and not wanting to, to take a big swing and not being ready to correct that positional mistake for a few seasons. And they got burned by it enough times to where DaCosta put it as, as clearly priority one uh, with the big signing early in free agency. So, you know, best of luck to Marcus Williams. Let's get some uh, let's get some Pro Bowls uh, in these in these five years and some success and some turnovers for this defense that we got to turn turn back around. Second deal, uh, almost immediately after, I think it was a, a few days after, is the Ravens signing uh, offensive lineman Morgan Moses to a three-year deal for fifteen million, and this immediately made the rounds as the Ravens are, are being the Ravens. They're their front office making moves as they do. Because while Moses is not a superstar offensive lineman, Jace, he's a good to above average lineman that they got for $5 million a year in the year of our Lord 2022. Uh, so some positive uh, mojo immediately with this signing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, health has obviously been perhaps the most uh, significant issue for the Ravens offensive uh, line the last few years. And Uh, On that front, Morgan Moses hasn't missed a game, uh, basically, since he became a full-time starter. He played eight games in 2014. He's played every single game since 2015. Uh, You know, he was a stalwart at right tackle, and as you said, no Pro Bowls on his resume, but he's a solid above-average starter, and still did some solid work for the Jets last year. They moved him all over the line, because the Jets' offensive line was uh, in various states of flux as well, so... He, you know, he's a dependable veteran, tons of experience, uh, 31 years old, um, so still kind of in his prime. Uh, it's a fair deal, a low money. He'll probably be the starting right tackle uh, game one, you would think, in a perfect world. But uh, at worst, you know, we have two other tackles on the roster who are in various stages of unknown rehab in Ronnie Stanley and Jawan James. Um, so at the very least it's insurance if, you know, Stanley suffers another setback or can't go like they have 
a dependable NFL level tackle on the roster entering training camp. So I think it's a fantastic move. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, he's not, we're not importing Jonathan Ogden here, but he's a solid, he's been a solid right tackle his whole career. And uh, hopefully that continues for the Ravens uh, in 2022. Yeah. I mean, look, ideally it's Stanley left Moses, right? Juwan James swing tackle. Uh, In terms of snap count, Morgan Moses played about, two and a half games at left tackle as well. So there's your left tackle in a pinch. And when that signing comes down, it is a three years, 15. Nobody could top that. There, there's the Ravens. Okay, that makes sense. Finding guys, right player, right price. We say it all the time. And a guy who, you know, as we noticed with Alejandro Villanueva, who retired because he just didn't have it anymore. This guy has it. Tough, durable. Hasn't missed the game since 2014, like Jace said. Uh, a reliable, maybe not pro bowl level, but solid performer. <coughs> uh, consistent. All things that the Ravens <laughs> offensive line wasn't last year. It, it, it makes perfect sense. And yeah, like if, if the Ravens are if the Ravens are going into, let's say, let's say Juwan James has um, he's a bit further along than Ronnie Stanley in terms of in terms of health, right? Let's just in a, in a hypothetical world that might not be. You know, oh, it's not, it's not the best thing ever for the Ravens, but it's kind of what you have to deal with. They're not going to rush Stanley back again because they already made that mistake once. Week one, you probably go Moses, Cleveland, or whoever's at left guard, and that could still be decided, obviously. Patrick McCarry, again, could be decided. We'll have to see. Kevin Zeitler and Juwan James on the right side. And then when Stanley gets healthy, you bring out Juwan James unless he performs well, and you put Moses right side. Maybe one of your guards isn't performing to the level. You can kick Moses inside to play guard. If if there's a couple more injuries, Makari goes out and plays le- uh, right tackle, which he could do, and you bring Moses inside or depending on who's there, whatever. There's, it gives them so many options that they just simply didn't have last year, and, and you, you, you know, know the guy is going to be there because he has proven that over and over again. Yeah, I mean, last year I think we would have taken five Morgan Moseses <laughs> if it was that level of player. All five of them would have been just fine. Uh, yeah. So g- good to have one of them and then address the other needs, hopefully with health. One thing about Moses that I just kind of looked up out of curiosity, and it was uh, so some numbers have, have stood out here, the penalty numbers uh, for him. Last season, only three penalties, which is fantastic. That would be, uh, you know, ideal. In 2018, with Washington, he had 14 penalties, which is a lot, uh, even for his position. Nine in 2019, six in 2020, and then finally three in 2021. So let's hope that's skewing in the right direction, because nine and 14 would be... Uh, 14 has to... Is that an NFL record? <laughs> I, I did run the, the Moses signing by the Commander's crew uh, in my friend group uh, in our... Uh friend chat and uh hashtag commanders yeah they um hashtag take command uh they um uh they liked morgan moses they said he's a solid player but they did warn be prepared for some false starts so that is one thing to keep in mind i'm glad you brought it up antonio uh this was apparently a known thing amongst washington fans so you know maybe experience helps i don't know so Minor concern, but on the whole, I think still a dramatic step up from playing, you know, eight right tackles or whatever we had last season. <laughs> uh, that This definitely won't come up to bite us uh, on third and ten in a wild card playoff game. But anyway, anyway um, and then uh, 
so two fantastic moves early in free agency, and then a third that we gotta we gotta talk about a little bit here. And it is the uh, attempted signing, dare I say, of Zadarius Smith, the Ravens, at first agreeing to verbally, I suppose, or with a handshake, to a four-year, thirty-five million dollar deal to bring Zadarius Smith back to Baltimore. Some minor questions, well, some questions about his health. Uh, missed the entire, just about the entirety of last season with a back injury. Came back and uh, participated in the Packers playoff game. Seemed good to go. At this point, the three of us are jumping up and down about three different tiered, but uh, perfect in their own right, free agent moves. And then we're going to play a little, um, I don't know, Prophecy Antonio. Because I am watching the videos, the clips from the Ravens of John Harbaugh meeting Morgan Moses and his family. They come in for the visit, and they're doing the handshakes. And I'm telling you, I'm watching these clips, because the Ravens Twitter is posting them like as they're happening, basically, like very immediately after they're happening. And I looked at Harbaugh, and I, it, you know, in, in Prophecy World, I was like, he, something looks up. He's like kind of smiling, but not really. <laughs> he's normally like warm with the kids of the players, and he's like hanging out with them. And I, I'm telling you, I looked at him and I said, something is wrong, something is off. Why is he being kind of like sad and bummed out? And then as I'm thinking this, uh, some whispers start to come in that Zadarius Smith is no longer taking the Ravens' <laughs> offer, uh, backing out, wanting more money, after some other NFL players at his position got ridiculous deals. And then it, didn't, it did end up officially falling through. No Zadarius Smith reunion, no coming back to Baltimore at what would have been a tasty for Ravens fans deal at four years, $35 million. And of course, because we can't have nice things, guys. We only get two of the three original moves and no Smith for the moment, but seemingly no Smith uh, in, a, in a purple uniform. Go ahead, Jason. I was going to say, if they had pulled the trigger on Zedaria Smith, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, handing, I'm tossing out A-pluses to Eric DaCosta for free agency, but... Uh, you know, I mean, I it's hard to know because details don't really emerge. The Ravens barely, uh, I, all DaCosta said, I believe, it was at the Marcus Williams Moses, uh, uh, Morgan Moses uh, introductory press conferences. Basically just said, like, we don't have a deal with Sedari Smith, and that's the extent of which we'll probably ever talk about it. Um, so it's hard to know how exactly the deal fell apart. I'm with you. It definitely seems like Sedari Smith saw, uh, you know, uh, what, seven figures, six figures, or... Uh, eight figures, nine figures for like uh, your Von Millers and uh, Chandler Joneses and said, let's, let's take a pause on this very team friendly contract. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, a lot of times when, cause deals fall apart, we saw Randy Gregory kind of renege on a handshake agreement he had with the Cowboys to end up with the Broncos. Um, so it happens, you know, it happened to the Ravens just a few years ago with Michael Brockers when we, um, they thought they were signing him and he returned to the Rams. Um, so, you know, it happens, but Usually when it happens, the other player had another deal on the table. The fact that the Zadarius Smith still hasn't signed is kind of fascinating. It just kind of seems like, yeah, the deal just sort of fell apart without him really having a backup plan. So who knows? Maybe that doesn't shut the door. But it would have been so nice to have him back. But like you said, real concerns about his back injury. Um, he did miss all of last season. and He turns 30 this year. So, you know, back backs generally don't improve as you age. Uh, one health fact I know. So, um but he would have been such a great addition. I mean, his first two seasons with the Packers, double-digit sacks both years. What do the Ravens need? Pass rusher. They've said it multiple times. 
Uh, and they're still looking. And so that hurts. Um, so it really stinks that it fell apart. It would have been a great deal. Uh, I, I think a true home run of a deal. But what can you do? <laughs> These things happen in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, look, I think a lot of stuff happened. I think the timing of it with everybody losing their minds, and these guys read this stuff, and their agents read this stuff, I'm sure, as well, where it was another team-friendly deal for the Ravens. <laughs> they got Sidarius at that price. And then you have the likes of Von Miller getting six years, $120 million. And then you have Chandler Jones. I can't even remember what he got. A three-year deal, $51 million is what it is. Look, as soon as they saw that, Zedarius Smith, who didn't have to sign anything, so, you know, and who knows, apparently it was leaked. He said he uh, reportedly he was like, I never had a deal with the Ravens. I don't know why that stuff was leaked. And then it leaked. And then everybody was like, oh, my God, he should have made more money. And then other people made more money. So he went, well, I'm going to go try and make more money. It makes sense. It, and it's it sucks because I think we were all dancing on the ceiling when the Zadarius Smith uh, thing came in. I'm just going to completely pivot. He only played one game last year. Over the hill. Injuries. To, can't do it with the injuries. And maybe, maybe, DaCosta plays it out plays the very, very long game. He doesn't like anything that he sees, and he decides maybe to come back to Baltimore. But something tells me that he won't because if it is true that he didn't like the, the deal got leaked and before he signed it or whatever, it probably might have been a little bit of bad blood, and who knows. Um, but, yeah, look, Jace nailed it. When, when Smith is healthy, he was one of the best free agents on the market. 26 sacks and 63 quarterback hits in two seasons with the Packers. <laughs> Antonio was just shaking his head because, yeah, when healthy, it would have been incredible to have him on there. But there's plenty of time. Um, obviously, there's a decent amount of edge rushers in this draft, as we talked about, although I think we all can agree we'd rather have a veteran presence there with Adafi Owe on the other side. Uh, we'll have to see. And, yeah, let's just let's just do it now for the, I don't know, fourth offseason in the row. Antonio's dream deal, Jadavion Clowney to the Baltimore Ravens. Let's just br let's just bring it back. I'll I'll go into the old files, recycle some of that old audio, and throw it into this episode here with Antonio talking about Jadavion Clowney. Like you know, th that could be our solution, guys. It could be it. No, but Tim, I'd rather have a guy who actually got the sacks. Yeah, true. Like Smith. I don't I don't think he's coming back. I think that doesn't happen in the NFL once these deals kind of fall through. For better or worse, they they don't sort of like go back to their old ex girlfriend kind of thing, um, and it's a bummer because I was uh, I may have sent some texts out to to the group saying we didn't even need the NFL draft. I was so <laughs> jacked up that we were making these moves where it was like, well, let's just let's just trade the picks. We don't even need them. We're addressing every position need with excellent players before we even get to the draft. And then I I deserve it. I deserve it for for. Uh, Talking such a big game. I don't think he gets as big a deal now. Every day that goes by yeah. in the NFL land, that money that he will get goes down and down and down. And I'm extremely curious. He's got a couple of teams that he's pl planning. Apparently he has a visit uh, today, Monday, with the Vikings. There's some whispers about the Chiefs. But I would be surprised if he ends up getting more than four years, 35, at this point uh, in free agency. And then a couple other, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these two moves together and let you guys dissect them. Uh, a few days after the, the Smith move falls through, the Ravens say, uh, you know, but oh, did you want prime rib? Well, like, what about a nice, like, chicken 
stake instead because we just signed another ex-Raven, Michael Pierce, <laughs> to a three-year deal for $16.5 million. And then today, a deal in re-signing, apparently the first free agent re-signing from the Ravens, of Pat Ricard, Project Pat, Pancake Pat, pretty good Pat, uh, a three-year deal to stay in Baltimore. Uh, looks like from Jeff Zerebeck. Reportedly, a three-year, $11 million deal. So, guys, similar sort of tier uh, of NFL player here with Michael Pierce uh, and uh, Pat Ricard. Solidifying the, the depth of this team. I don't know which which deal. I'm not going to say which deal do you like more because I, I have a hunch that that's <laughs> what, what Tim would say. But two sort of, uh, let's call them mid-level, mid-level moves here for the Ravens. The, the best fullback in the National Football League. What are we talking about There's here? like three left in, in the league. <laughs> Mid-level moves. My, mm-hmm. It's a family show. Uh, I, I, I'll go. I'll go here. And we can talk about Pierce in a second. I think I think Ricard, for what he does for this Ravens offense, especially with those guys coming back, I thought he was gone. I mean, admittedly. And, and if, if, if I haven't said it on this podcast before, I got a Ricard jersey for Christmas. And I kind of just knew that it was going to be a legacy jersey and that he was probably going to be off the team. And it was like, I'll never forget you. I missed the boat on my Vontae Leach jersey years ago. So I made sure I didn't do it this time with Pat Ricard. Um, I think the interesting thing about him wanting to get tight end money was always a joke. Like, I, I, he's a good pass catcher and he's important in this Ravens offense. Um, but I don't think he was going to get the market that he thought he would. And credit to the Ravens, they were patient. And they made him, I think he's the second highest paid fullback behind former Ravens fullback Kyle Juszczyk. Um, and, and the similar point, I think, for both of them play. And Antonio joked about it. There's like three left. And, you know, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but not really. Because what happens? What happened with Juszczyk a couple years ago Everybody was like, well, he's the best in this Ravens offense. Like, what? The, he should just stay here. And then all of a sudden, Kyle Shanahan goes to San Francisco, and they go, oh, yeah, wait. That guy loves running the football. And so he went over there for a massive amount of money at the time. Um, and, again, still the highest-paid fullback in the league. And he's done great things over there. That's, that hole is filled. So outside of that, maybe you argue you like Mike McDaniel, the, the new coach with Miami, who is, uh, you know, a Shanahan disciple. But we haven't really seen that yet. Who knows? So who is doing the thing that exemplifies Ricard's skills the most? It's the Ravens. This makes perfect sense for him from a football point of view um, and for the Ravens from a football point of view as well. Uh, You know, it doesn't seem like it's crazy money and nor should it have been. It's definitely not tight end money. Um, and yeah, that, he's just so versatile. He can play on the line. He can, he's obviously the best blocking fullback in the league. Um, yeah. And as he tweeted himself, more pancakes to come in Baltimore. <laughs> and I am, I am over the moon about it. Yeah. I'm excited to have him back. I mean, I always don't like, I think he's a, you know, it's a fairly key part of what the Ravens do offensively. We're very excited about uh, you know with both running backs coming that's back what i was literally well. about to say with yeah. both running backs coming back hopefully an improved line but if the line isn't improved you need blocking even more and we know that patrick and ricard can do that um so i'm very excited i do, i'll admit hand up i don't really understand the nfl salary cap i don't understand how the buffalo bills have a uh, uh one of the five highest paid quarterbacks that also can give von miller 160 million dollars it's all fake there's void years. Nothing makes sense. So I'm all in just favor of keeping your good players you like and figuring it out because uh, I, I'm of the mind. It's all fake anyway. I mean, the salary cap rose like 20, over $20 million just this past offseason uh, from COVID bounce backs and stuff. So 
Um, yeah, keep Patrick Ricard. He's great. As for Michael Pierce, I think, you know, the Ravens like their guys. Um, and, you know, I don't feel too strongly either way. I think Michael Pierce, what Michael Pierce does well is fine. He'll stop the run. He doesn't really address... Really, I mean, he had three sacks last season, which would still, I think, have been like tied for second on the Ravens. But, uh, um, you know, he, he's not a big-time pass rusher. He doesn't really make you more explosive, but he does his job fine. And, you know, he, I guess, in the strictest sense, does uh, fulfill your role of getting slightly younger on the defensive line since everyone they had was over 30. Pierce doesn't turn 30 until later this year. So, um, you know, uh, (laughs) there's that. I mean, I'm fine with him bringing back. It still has, you know, obviously doesn't address the pass rush concerns, but uh, it certainly seems like they, uh, and the other concern with Pierce, he's barely played since he left the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Uh, He opted out of the 2020 season and he only played eight games last year. Um, so he's barely played since he left Baltimore. So that's obviously so fresh. Yeah, he's well, got fresh legs, yeah spin zone. He's low snap, low snaps added. So we're getting a fresh Michael Pierce back. But uh, obviously, big picture probably spells the end of Brandon Williams. Um, you know, an older player who does the exact same thing. Uh, I think Brandon Williams is a better player than Michael Pierce. Certainly, that's why they kept Brandon Williams and let Michael Pierce walk in 2019. But um, certainly, still. I don't think precludes them from even drafting a guy like Jordan Davis per se, but it's just, you know, rotation piece on the defensive line. Um, and it's a guy they know. And John Harbaugh loves guys he knows, as evidenced by every move the Ravens seem to make every offseason. Yeah, so as Jace said in our text group, uh, the Ravens love their effing guys, basically. <laughs> and my family showed that uh, for the audience there. It's interesting. Uh, I have a couple of things off of that. You know, this comes from Ebony Bird, which we're partnered with at Fansided, and you can always listen to our podcast on fansided.com, ebonybird.com as well, for all your Ravens news and notes there from the from the ladies and gents over there. He, according to Pro Football Focus, he didn't play enough snaps to qualify, and that would be the problem, but he did have a 78.5 grade out of 100 at his run uh, pass rush grade for an interior defensive lineman. which is excellent. Three sacks and eight games for a nose tackle is very, very good. Now, can he stay healthy and play 16, 17 games? We have to see. Can he be a cog in that defensive line because he's going to be asked to be the main nose tackle now with Brandon Williams gone? Remains to be seen. He, I think, and it's it's weird to say because I love Brandon Williams. This is not a shot against him or anything. But I think in this moment in time in 2022, Pierce is probably the better option just because of age. And he's a bit more explosive, uh, it may, albeit maybe not as good of a run defender. They needed to get younger on that defensive line. They had to absolutely get younger. He is younger. Team-ish friendly deal, I guess. But, you know, as Jay said, we're not the salary cap back experts here. Maybe we'll bring on Brian McFarland at some point to try and explain you know, what the hell is going on with all of these? Um, but the only other thing I would say, and it, it, it scares me, Jace, because, again, I'm reading this piece on Ebony Bird, and, and, and frankly, I disagree with what they said. They go, this move also signals that the Ravens won't be looking to draft a player like Jordan Davis early in the NFL draft. If that is the case, and they are not still looking at interior defensive line early and often, I think that's a mistake. I think bringing in Pierce be like, oh, we, we're good now. That's a mistake. And, and frankly, I, I don't think that is the case either. I think that they are probably going to uh, continue to look to upgrade that. 
hopefully Jordan Davis, as we're all obsessed with him in, on this podcast. But if not, still a bit early and often in the NFL draft, or maybe even a couple more, uh, you know, B, C level free agents down the road here. You draft Jordan Davis and you use Michael Pierce, and between the two of them, you get 100% of the defensive snaps until Jordan Davis becomes that every down player. Guys, this is how this is how things work in the NFL. How it works. Um, yeah, we will see. I, I'm certainly curious. I, I don't think the Michael Pierce-type player is like the answer for a team in terms of a starting spot, and now they don't have any concerns about depth at that position. So I, I, I'm not sure if I agree with that either, Tim, but... We will see as uh, as we get closer to the draft, um, and then a couple players exiting uh, Baltimore that that we have to mention as well. Uh, Jace mentioned Brandon Williams very likely now will not be resigned. Uh, we mentioned earlier Alejandro Villanueva, the the one year Raven uh, retiring after let's call it an underwhelming season in Baltimore. Uh, Anthony Averett signed a one year deal as a free agent with the Raiders. Bradley Bozeman signed a one-year deal with the Panthers, and I think that deal only ended up being like two, two to three million dollars. So two point eight, two point eight, kind of seems more like uh, it's been great, Bradley. You know, thanks for thanks for being a, a great member of the community and a starter here. But we're gonna move move on. Uh, and then the last name that that I want to bring up, and that's Tavon Young. It's been a, a while since this news broke, but Tavon Young uh, released. Uh, no longer a member of the Ravens, and I whatever I was drinking at the time when I was reading the story about this coffee water, uh, I spit it out when this the article read Tavon Young, a member of the Ravens for six seasons, um, because I could have swore he was only there for like three, <laughs> uh, and that's because he only really played about three. Uh, he was on the Ravens starting in 2016, and ended up starting. 24 out of a possible 97 games. So that's not going to cut it. Um, unfortunately, some flashes from him early in his career, but too many injuries, not quite enough development to stick around. So unfortunately, Tavon Young released. Uh, and guys, with all these you know, players in, players out, Zadarius Smith mess, uh, at this point in time, what, what sort of grade would you give uh, the Ravens offseason? Off uh, just... Uh... Quickly, uh, the Bozeman thing, one year, $2.8 million is is shocking to me. Um, seemed like for a center, he was going to be a guy that was heavily touted. I mean, there's a players like J.C. Treader, the Cleveland Browns center, who ended up getting released. Um, so maybe he – people are waiting on that market, although he, as of recording, he hasn't been signed. Bozeman was supposed uh, one of the better ir- interior defense – or offensive linemen, excuse me, on this free agency list. One year, two point eight. I don't. I don't know what the deal is there, I, and it's it's very interesting. I wonder if there was some sort of injury that nobody knew about, or he took a friendly deal to be back, you know, more south because he's from that area. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I have no idea. That one just surprised me. Um, for me, it's a it's a B plus. Um, Zadarius signing makes it an A. Although, you know, we, we have to see maybe they miss or, and maybe Zadarius signs and, you know, never recovers that form that he had with Green Bay. And we look back in three or four years and say, wow, that was I'm glad we're not spending money on the cap uh, again uh, with him, especially because, you know, God willing, Lamar Jackson's going to be signed at that point. Um, but, yeah, B plus for me, I think Marcus Williams and Morgan Moses are two brilliant signings in different ways, as we spoke about. I think Marcus Williams, you get him at a young age at a 
for for his age and ability, team friendly. Although you know he's obviously going to cost a decent amount of number, a decent number against the cap. But you're paying for what you expect, not paying for what he's already done on the downslope. We are getting the thinking is he's going to be even better and better and better the next couple of years. And if that's the case, he's going to be one of the best safeties in the NFL. And yeah, lock that guy up with Marlon Humphrey, please, uh, to make them two cornerstones of your defensive secondary, along with you know an aging Marcus Peters and a Chuck Clark. I'm good with that. That's perfect. Morgan Moses, solid, um, you know, reliable. And if he's just if he's just good, seven out of ten, seventeen games a year with like five penalties. That's an A-plus signing for what he's supposed to be. And then we talked about it, Michael Pierce. As long as it doesn't prevent other things uh, from, from happening and they continue to address that need, if healthy, it's a, it's a low-risk, you know, low-risk, high-reward type signing, I think, uh, with Pierce. So for me, I wouldn't say, you know, complete A-plus a or anything, but B-plus with plenty of room to grow. I'm going to go B as well. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick at just a regular B. Um, obviously, I think... Likewise, if, if they were able to get Smith on board, I'd probably have an A. But I think the Marcus Williams signing's great. Um, my, as I said, Michael Pierce, you bring back a guy you know to fill a, fill a hole. Depth. That's fine. I like the Morgan Moses signing a lot. I think it's kind of exactly the sort of player that you can get uh, on the free agent market without, you know, busting the bank for like a Tehran Tehran Armstead type, you know, all pro level guy um, at that position. So, I think it's been solid, as Tim kind of mentioned, the, the one-year deals for both Bozeman and Averitt kind of perplexed me a little bit because it seemed like guys, like, in the lead-up to free agency, everyone was like, oh, it hurt to lose. But like Tim said, it kind of seemed like the Ravens were fine losing because you could certainly pay Bradley Bozeman $2.8 million if you wanted him back for one more year. So that was interesting to me, I think. So, um, yeah, that uh, – uh, I'll, I'll go with a B, you know. It, you didn't import like four all pros or anything, but uh, it's solid. They did good work, and uh, you know, based around how the Ravens operate, I think they took some big swings, which they don't always do. Uh, and and I like uh, I like what they did, so I'll give it a B. Yeah, we're um, we're right into form, I think, with the three of us, because I was gonna say A minus. Uh, with if they had gotten Smith, it would have been an A, but instead I'll say A minus. So we're right. Uh, True to form for the three of us. And my my grade is partly because of I like all the deals of the players in, and I like all the deals of the players out. I don't think we will miss for a moment any of the guys who the Ravens have chosen not to uh, resign to this point. I thought maybe Aver. I'm curious as to what the Ravens would have offered Averett for a year compared to the 4.5 million that he got with the Raiders. I, I could see the Ravens being in that three three to four range for a key depth guy you know at, at a position that they clearly value but um yeah a, a superstar in make in the you know in the wings at, at one signing and then some other strong starters and depth and then some other ravens who great you know th- thanks for being here thanks for playing but uh good, good luck to you good luck to you elsewhere so the last thing is um Without signing Smith, there should be some money still there. That's that's a hole now that the Ravens, hopefully, I would love to see them use that uh, with some other signings in this second and third wave of free agency where uh, they, they usually thrive. Uh, so that is it for Raven News. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of things that happened in the NFL. But first, Jace, you are up this week with the random Raven. So assuming 
Uh, it's not Kavan Seymour or <laughs> one of those secondary guys from last season. I already forgot the names. Uh, Jackson, what was his first name? Oh, Robert Jackson. Robert, yes. Robert Jackson. There we go. <laughs> I brought it back. Yeah. So uh, without, yeah. Is is it one of those guys or a random Raven from uh, another season? Uh, yeah, we're actually going uh, a little bit into the Wayback Machine, going to a guy who began his Ravens career in 2001. So, um you know, prime middle school years. Uh, so cl- Elvis Gerback. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'd say this player was better than Elvis Gerback. But uh, uh, clue number one, this player joined the Ravens in 2001 after playing for the XFL's Chicago Enforcers. The Tennessee State product spent four years in Baltimore, appearing in 63 games with 56 starts. This player, who wore number 66 also started three playoff games for the Ravens. Following the 2004 season, this player was not re-signed by the Ravens, and he latched on with the Buffalo Bills, where he made 14 starts. He was released by the Bills and signed with the Dolphins ahead of the 2006 season, where he made his, the final two starts of his career before an injury ended his season and, ultimately, his NFL career. And then, our final clue, this offensive lineman shares the same last name with two former random Ravens. So, uh... Trivia on your prior random Ravens trivia, I guess, uh, including one offensive line, uh, including one random Raven who also played offensive line. Got it. Do you? <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> I te- I I had it before the final clue, and that, wow. that cemented it. See, this was a guy I'd forgotten about, and I I brain blasted back to my head looking at old rosters for a prior random raven so another just very solid yeah four year starter basically <laughs> offensive lineman for the ravens yeah so yeah we'll get to him uh, yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna lean on tim here i have a bonus clue antonio if you need it <laughs> we'll do that at the end i suppose because I, I think i'm gonna need more more help than that but we'll see what the listener can do without the bonus clue for now um yeah wow oh two oh three Oh, oh, four. Yeah. Uh, not a. Oh, we'll see. We'll see if I come up with something <laughs> as we get closer to the end of the episode. But let's turn now to the NFL. There's some things to talk about. Uh, I'm going to highlight the the headlines quickly. The listener is probably very aware of most of this, so I'm going to go through it pretty quickly, and then turn to my co-hosts and have them pick. You know, what was their favorite, what was the funniest, the, the most significant storyline uh, of the past few weeks that they want to spend some time on? To recap, Russell Wilson, no longer a Seattle Seahawk, traded to the Broncos in the AFC West. That'll be a recurring theme here. Carson Wentz traded from the Colts to the DC Commies, I, I don't know, <laughs> command, take command, command center, something like that. Aaron Rodgers returns to the Packers on a new deal that ended up being three years for $150 million, some voidable years, perhaps a fourth year. It's a lot of money for a couple of years for Aaron Rodgers to stay in Green Bay. Tom Brady, uh, he, he's, um, how do I describe Tom Brady? He's a quarterback who has played in the NFL for a long time. He's won oh. some Super Bowls. He retired uh, for all of nine days. And then looked around at his house on day six and decided this is this is boring. This is not going to work. He's back, uh, unretired now, guys. This is Tom Brady I'm talking about, and he's back with the Buccaneers uh, to try to win a 75th Super Bowl, and he will never die. Uh, the Chargers 
trade for Khalil Mack. They signed J.C. Jackson. The Raiders signed Chandler Jones for three years, $51 million, maybe more than that. They extend Max Crosby for four years, nearly $100 million. They then get rid of ex-Raven Yannick Ngakwe, who then goes to the Colts. Uh, the Raiders, in a trade with the Packers, after Aaron Rodgers resigns, acquire Devontae Adams and then give him a ridiculously expensive extension. The Steelers. Oh boy, the Steelers. They sign Mitch Trubisky to be their sort of nebulous, hybrid, starter, backup, quarterback, and we'll see. I feel like that's been pretty much the Mitch Trubisky experience. Uh, kind of halfway between good and bad, kind of halfway between a starter and a backup. He's kind of mobile, but he's not really a running quarterback either, so that'll be that'll be fine there. The Browns trade for Amari Cooper. Uh, they get a number one wide receiver there. Release uh, Landry uh, around the same time. Von Miller is now on the Bills. The Titans release Julio Jones. The Rams extend Matt Stafford for $160 million over four years. Again, what is money? Deshaun Watson is traded to the Cleveland Browns, signs a $230 million extension in Cleveland. That's so Cleveland. Matt Ryan, today as we recorded, is traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Indianapolis Colts after they uh, got rid of Carson Wentz. So th- that's that's just a couple of the highlights. I'm going to stop here uh, and turn to my co-hosts and let them pick, uh, I don't know, their favorite, the most ridiculous of these moves, or, or whichever one they want to talk about the most. So let's start with uh, let's start with Tim. As much as I want to talk about it, maybe I'll just let Jay Stewart and then respond. Um, Baker Mayfield preemptively saying goodbye to Cleveland, and then all of a sudden the Browns being out of the Watson race, which would have been just the thing that we led this podcast with and continue to talk about if the if the Browns didn't all of a sudden miraculously turn it around and all of a sudden now have Deshaun Watson, but we'll talk about that in a second. For me, I want to focus on the AFC West and as a microcosm of the AFC. Uh, we are now in a time where I am so nervous about this Ravens team with the most talented player, arguably most talented offensive player that they've ever had. I'll put it that way. Uh, not making it a Super Bowl because the AFC is just stupid loaded. I mean, you, you named some of these already. Khalil Mack and JC Jackson going to the Chargers to partner up with Derwin James. Devontae Adams for, I don't know what trade values are anymore. It doesn't make sense what they had to give away for him. I know it's a lot of money, but like we all said, the cap sometimes doesn't seem real, and you can finagle it when you want to. And Chandler Jones for a stupid amount of money. Randy Gregory and Russell Wilson go to the Broncos. Juju Smith-Schuster, who, you know, not an insignificant addition for the Kansas City Chiefs as they're looking to, you know, stay ahead of all of these teams. And the AFC West is going to be a bloodbath, um, and I don't know who's going to win that division. And from a, from a hole there... When you look at that as just a microcosm of the AFC, you're even adding the Von Miller deal to the Buffalo Bills. We're talking about the Sean Watson coming to the Browns, and we'll discuss that in details in a second. Uh, Matt Ryan, who, you know, as as we record, Jace, was, Jace, I think, said something to the effect of, he's still good, and he's going to the Colts. Like, it's not like he's a bad player. Now they have a better quarterback than they had in Carson Wentz. I'll be what they had to give up. What they're doing for this whole, like, oh, look what the Colts did. Chris Ballard was so good. He's the one who traded for Wentz in the first place. So enough with the 
giving the guy his flowers, as the young kids say now on social media, about this uh, Matt Ryan deal. Albeit, we're at this final endpoint. They've improved there at the most important position. I just – the West is the small, you know, microscopic look at the AFC as a whole. And I don't remember a time when there was this much disparity between the AFC and the NFC. I mean, it's the reason Tom Brady came back. Tom Brady came back because now he's going up against, at time of recording, Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, and Marcus Mariota who ended up signing for the Atlanta Falcons. That's why he's back. That's, it, again, was almost, it was almost Felipe Franks was almost <laughs> one of the names, yeah, too. I, right. I would have loved that to have been in the list. 100%. And it's, it's Tom Brady beating up on a weak division, again, that nobody's ever going to talk about. That's what he's done his whole career because he's not a true competitor. <laughs> and I just it, – that it's going to be them, Rodgers, and the Rams. Though you could pick your three teams out now in the NFC. I have no idea who not only you're going to pick in the AFC – who you're going to pick in the AFC West to finish first? I just think you know. Luckily, we don't play them this year. They're we do play the Broncos, but we don't play the entire AFC West. Uh, but still, I just it's going to be, it is going to be a murderer's row uh, to get through this conference. And frankly, the more deals that happen, I'm just like, could, could you could you send them to Seattle? Can we just put somebody in San Francisco? Like what what are we doing here? Um, and it's Tim, you know, don't you worry. Baker Mayfield heading. <laughs> Heading to the NFC oh, any day now. Seattle great. Seahawks QB Baker Mayfield. <laughs> um, so, yes, I agree. The NFC West is going to be – I mean, just the moves the Raiders made. Devontae Adams. It's crazy. It's crazy. Russell Wilson – I do want to finish. Sorry, oh, real yeah. quickly. And apologies here. From a football-watching point of view, AFC West, usually the 430 game over here on the East Coast. We're going to get some great battles after the Ravens inevitably play a one o'clock game. <laughs> but from a competitive standpoint, not too happy about it. Yeah, it's very bad for the long-term uh, success, I guess, of the Ravens as you laid out, Tim. Uh, another move, uh, and the most significant for me, detrimental to the long-term success of the Ravens, uh, is the Browns acquiring Deshaun Watson, a move I despise for a number of reasons, um, certainly. Uh, and a fascinating move, on a number of levels um but it's the most it's the biggest thing that'll impact the ravens the most certainly in the long term obviously uh if you don't know deshaun watson 22 civil lawsuits pending against him um uh for basically sexual harassment uh uh allegations um lot to play out there uh certainly an nfl suspension of some sort seems to be coming especially but who knows when that will be given who knows when the legal situation there uh, wraps up. He obviously was, um, wasn't indicted by a Texas grand jury last Friday or two Fridays ago, I guess, uh, which is what kind of kicked off this whole trade cycle. Um, for, uh, so he wasn't indicted of any criminal charges, but um, the Browns, you know, it's a big risk for them certainly. And it seemed like they were out as Tim laid out, uh, we texted the group thread. We wanted nothing more than the Browns to not get to Sean Watson and also piss off Baker Mayfield, which it seemed like for 24 glorious hours they had accomplished. Oh. Uh, and it was 24 of the greatest hours of my life. <laughs> I would have given the Ravens an A in free agency if that happened. That would have bumped them up to an A for me. If <laughs> Baker still wants to leave, does this whole sappy BS goodbye to Cleveland. They don't want you anyway, buddy. And then Watson pulls out of the race to sign with Cleveland, albeit obviously that didn't happen, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and it seems like the thing that, you know, not having heard too much of them talk about it, but it certainly seems like uh, the thing that um, 
swung swung Watson's decision after it was allegedly down between the Saints and the Falcons is the fact that the Browns gave him a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract, which that is the other cause of concern as a Ravens fan, because now that is what Lamar Jackson can rightfully ask for, because he is a more accomplished player than Deshaun Watson. He has an MVP. Deshaun Watson does not. Deshaun Watson might be a better quarterback. Um, we also haven't seen him play football in over a year. Um, and that's a concern for the Ravens contractually, because now you're looking, I think, at somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, at least having to sniff $230 million guaranteed to Lamar. Uh, so, you know, props to Lamar. He seems to be playing this out well, uh, waiting for other teams to give other quarterbacks, you know, fully guaranteed. But it's just a stunning deal for Watson in the sense that, like, coming off all this legal trouble, his his original mega extension hadn't even kicked in yet. The one the Texans signed him to. But the Browns yeah. ripped that up, signed him to a five-year fully guaranteed deal. He might even be, as I said, suspended maybe half the season. We really don't know um, what the, you know, it's hard to know what's in Roger Goodell and the NFL's mind when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, but to give like that, a guy facing that kind of possible suspension, that much guaranteed money, uh, it's just a stunning move. And certainly, you know, on the football field, whenever he ends up there, Watson's going to be a problem for the Ravens. And I think it's why you see them make, you know, certainly why they needed to improve their secondary. Uh, just we saw what Joe Burrow did to them. And now they have a quarterback basically just as good as Joe Burrow uh, and it, that they also have to play twice a year. They have two games a year against Joe Burrow, two games a year against Deshaun Watson for the foreseeable future. Watson's only 26, I believe. Um, so this is a problem for the Ravens competitively for a while now the Browns did have to trade three first round picks and certainly turned off a large segment of their fan base by making this move. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out when Watson has to, you know, give like an official press conference and stuff. Uh, the Browns had to release pages and pages and pages of statements, uh, on why they made the trade, which is probably always a bad sign, but so there's a lot of moving pieces. It's obviously, I think impacts, uh, the Ravens on multiple levels, both competitively uh, versus another team in their division, getting a quarterback as good as uh, Deshaun Watson and, and with Lamar Jackson's pending contract negotiations. Um, I, so I think that's why it's the most significant. It just impacts the Ravens in so many ways, uh, even though obviously it's a move they're not involved in directly at all, but it, it will impact them in both the near and long-term future, I think. It feels like a move of desperation from Cleveland for that they had to sh throw all this money at a player who, by the way, is much maligned and has a ton of ethical and legal question marks in the coming future. They had to give up all those picks as a, as a fan of not the Browns. I like kind of love it because I hate the Browns and I am enjoying them making all the wrong decisions here. Uh, I think one of the best tweets I want to address this on the podcast. One of the best tweets that I've seen about this came from our very own Jay Sevens, uh, and it was just just even well put together. Jace uh, had all the images of the pages and pages of statements from the various stakeholders of the Cleveland, Bra the full three paragraphs from the the Haslam's, the full which I love that they added uh, D Haslam in this too, so that they had you know the, the pretend woman's touch i suppose to make everything all right here uh the statement from the gm uh the statement from the head coach jace put them all together in a, in a nice little package and then said a good rule of life is if you have to explain and or justify a decision you've made this much it probably was a bad one succinct well phrased poetic well done jace uh because it is a bad one 
it may be a bad one on the football field. It's certainly a bad one from an organizational standpoint. And it was a bad one in terms of what they had to do to get this very questionable player. Uh, I would die. I would die if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the entirety of this season, especially if the allegation, if more information comes out from these allegations, if they start to look worse, if there is more context for, for how they were made or evidence and this, that, and the other, I would love for the Browns to have hemorrhaged their future for a morally uh, and ethically repugnant quarterback that they then wouldn't have first round picks to replace uh, in the meantime. So, we will see what happens, I suppose. Uh, but it's perfect. It's the perfect Cleveland move. So uh, well done to Cleveland. Uh, yeah, Antonio, you couldn't have, in that respect. You couldn't have put it any better way. And I look. It's it's sad to say, but it's not untrue that winning would fix it would fix a lot of things for some fans who are completely turned off by this move. I mean, you know, I, I went on the Dogs of War podcast, fan side. It's Brown. Brown's podcast uh, during the season to preview one of the games and they stood by Baker. Uh, you know, I think that's ridiculous, but you know, whatever. And they, they finally had a good quarterback and that was their referencing point. You know, good is relative, I guess when you're the Browns, but compared to your Tim couches and your Seneca Wallace's of the world, they had somebody that they thought could win them games. Obviously that wasn't the case. And they, as you so rightly mentioned, got desperate for a guy that they think could win them games that could uh, lead them to the promised land. We talk about you have to have an elite quarterback to win in the National Football League now and to win the big thing, the Super Bowl. What they did to get it, and you, you so eloquently put it, Antonio, was frankly reprehensible. And there is so much risk here. There is so, so, so much risk here. With what, with what happens. And, you know, maybe it works out. Maybe maybe the, the league suspension is not nearly as much as we all think it's going to be. But I highly doubt that because we live in an era now where we are more aware of these types of issues and it's no longer just, well, well you know, it seems like he got off okay. There's more to this. And... We'll have to see, um, you know, we could from a football from a football sense, if Deshaun Watson is allowed to play football, it makes the Browns better day one. But this is way bigger than that. And I think that even just from a football sense, he ain't going to be there day one. He is going to get suspended. And how long that is, we have to see. Uh, and if it's if it's eight games, if it's a full season there, that's them out of the running for one of these years that they're already paying him a ton of money for. And I just, I don't know. I Both from a football standpoint and then an off the field, obviously, the moral standpoint, I would be disgusted if the Ravens made a move like this. And I, and I understand that as a guy who rooted for Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs and things like that. Like, I'm fully willing to accept that and purple tinted glasses, what have you. This one for me is, a, is maybe it's more recent. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit older and I can understand these things more than I, when I was just a, a young kid. But... This one is uh, is different, and I, I don't know I don't know how you deal with it as a Cleveland fan. Maybe you just go completely ignorant and go, "Well, it's Deshaun Watson, whatever. He got cleared. It's all good." But hopefully, you have a bit more sense than that, and then, yeah, we'll just have to see how it plays out. It's just it's a stupid amount of money too, and that the point that Jace made, where Lamar can look and rightly be like, "Uh, I have an MVP, 
and that guy does it, the longer that a Lamar goes unsigned, and it's something that we really haven't brought up in this podcast a ton. So I've been good, Tim. I've been good about not not bringing it up this time. The more his price goes up, rather than a free agent where it would probably go down because they're looking to be desperate for a deal, what have you, he can sit there and say, uh, Deshaun's getting what? 38, nine-year-old Aaron Rodgers is getting what? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna put all my chips in the middle here and say you need to pay me the big bucks. And, you know, the Ravens might be back into a corner or have to make a very, very, very tough decision, which would, uh, you know, enrage a fan base. I'd cry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last uh, the last talking point that I had for for this NFL news is uh, I wanted to pair the the two aging Hall of Famers uh, in Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and they have kind of a common theme here, and it's maybe hanging on f- for that one extra year, that one extra step that's just too long. The vast majority of NFL legends hung on for too long. They had that extra season or two where it was just painful. We saw it with Roethlisberger recently, but the list goes on and on in the decades of football and other professional sports. And Tom Brady, to start, has been so blessed that he hasn't really had that. He hasn't had that gigantic, that you know, horrible injury at the age of in, in you know in his forties. Uh, where he's just not going to come back from it because of his age. He hasn't had the dramatic drop-off in talent or even in success in terms of how his team has performed, even if he were playing well. And it seemed like even with a playoff loss, you know, not a Super Bowl, it still seemed like he had retired into the sunset in terms of the NFL and would have had a half dozen other projects to get into, uh, be it crypto or some other dumb thing that he would have probably been very (laughs) successful with. And he made it a week of that. And he has to come back and he has to keep playing and he has to try. And I don't doubt that he still has the ability to do it, but you know, time comes for everybody and fortune comes for everybody. And I'm concerned if I were a fan of just like him and his career, I'm concerned that he's he's testing fate one too many times in terms of even just like a minor tarnished legacy of having to deal with a season that stinks. That happened to uh, Peyton Manning. I mean, they won a Super Bowl. He was difficult to watch play. They won that Super Bowl because their defense was one of the best like in the NFL of the last 10 years. It was painful, and that is a lasting memory for, for NFL fans is that last uh, Peyton Manning noodle-armed season. And I have a hunch that, that something like that is going to happen to Tom Brady because he can't just leave on a high you know on a high note, even at this ridiculous age and with all the accolades. So that pairs into with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, after all, months, years of him just being like an annoying <laughs> diva, he couldn't leave, couldn't quit the Packers, even probably knowing that they were trading Devontae Adams. I have to think that was some sort of nugget, because if they didn't tell him that and then signed him and had that happen, I think we'd had the saga all over again of him being uh, enraged at their playmakers and their talent. So he must have known that was on the horizon, but he couldn't leave, couldn't quit, has this gigantic deal with them. He's at an advanced age. I'm not saying he shouldn't have taken it, but couldn't leave, couldn't quit, uh... And now he may be in a situation where he has a bad offense 
and it's just him trying to make things happen. I'm going to roll on the floor uh, if they don't draft playmakers in the first few rounds uh, of the draft. But it's just that, that that's my theme for, for this uh, for this episode, is these superstar, aging superstars uh, not being able to move on from, from cool. their various positions. And I think they may both end up struggling, even in a pathetically weak NFC. Well, that's, you, you, you said, Antonio, like, I think both teams probably are in line to take a step. I mean, Tom Brady just led the NFL in touchdowns and yards. Is he going to do that at now? He turns 45 before that uh, the regular season starts. He turns 45 in August. And, you know, that already a 44-year-old leading the NFL in all those categories was unprecedented. I mean... At this point, I don't, I don't want to pull against Tom Brady, but you kind of mentioned one guy I always think about in sort of the legend who just the unceremonious end is uh, Brett Favre. Uh, for those who don't remember, Brett Favre had the Ironman streak. He had not missed a game from 1992 until 2010, the 2009 season with the Vikings, one of the best seasons of his career. And then he comes back for 2010. He never missed a game. He's coming off one of the best years of his career. And he just stunk. He separates his shoulder in, like, the middle of the season. And that just kind of brings to an end his Ironman streak, which was an NFL all-time record at the time. And you're like, oh, that kind of stinks. He just kind of got hurt, and that's the end of the streak. Like, he didn't walk off into the sunset and be, like, you know, retired, like, ended on his own terms. And then he gets knocked out uh, in a game against the Vikings when they were playing outdoors at the University of Minnesota Stadium. Uh, for those few years before their new stadium got built, got his head driven into the turf, got knocked out cold. That was it. He never played another game. And it was just, I remember it being like watching it on TV. It was a Monday night football game, I believe. And I just remember it being like so sad. I was like, oh, wow. It's like a 41 year old guy is just like knocked out. And that, it was the end of his career. And, you know, if you care about Tom Brady, I, you know, that would kind of be like what sucks to sort of see it. And if he, cause if he, if he had retired and just rode out on top, like that's legendary but if he comes back this year and you know blows his elbow out which a lot of guys uh, a lot of quarterbacks over the years have done you know Roethlisberger did it most recently Terry Bradshaw way back in the day um it, it would suck it would just suck if his career is just like oh I stink now and then I guess I will retire like but you know it's his call he could do what he wants and even with all that they might uh, the Bucks are 100% winning the NFC South I think I mean Jameis Winston back with the Saints but I don't have a ton of faith and uh, them winning the division, even though they randomly have beaten the Bucks every single time in the regular season that Tom Brady's been there. But um, yeah, I, it's weird. And Rogers, yeah, he's not going to be working with much, but the NFC North is horrible. So I think similarly, I liked how you said uh, Rogers instead of the Packers a little earlier, Antonio, because it is going to be him. He's going to be the one man band. Uh, but isn't that what he always really wanted? It's always about Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I don't know that he's upset. Uh, uh, with with uh, those events unfolding necessarily, that now he's even the further star of attention uh, in Green Bay. <laughs> as much as I want this scenario where Brady's legacy is tarnished by one bad year, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, again, like Jace just mentioned, he's playing JV teams, so <laughs> he's it's it's going to be you know oh, goat status again. Um, and even if he had a, a mediocre year i think he is so far surpassed the level of even quarterback number two in terms of the all-time rankings for me that i don't think it really matters as much as i would want it to especially i think the only people that are really going to be like well remember that final 22nd season or whatever it is (laughs) it's the twitter trolls and that's the only people that are going to do that um i mean the rogers stuff we don't have to you guys nailed that i don't really need to add anything there but i think with brady 
He got tired of taking his kids to school. <laughs> like, this is what happened with this guy. He went, I, I give, he, he like took the kids, he kissed them on the lips and sent them off to school multiple times. And all of a sudden he was like, you know what? F this. Get me the avocado ice cream. I need to get back <laughs> out there. The guy can't stop himself. He can't. And that's what makes him so good for most of his career. But I, I legitimately think... You know, first of all, I love that Antonio just took the leap and said, Pod Like Raven is not a crypto podcast. And I <laughs> sta- stand on that wholeheartedly. So that's good. Um, but he just, he took the retirement tour, and, or the retirement life, I should say. And after like three weeks went, this sucks. I have to hang out with my family. I can't be with the guys throwing the ball around. I'm back. We're doing this. Plus, he didn't get to say goodbye to the Patriots and his little goodbye thing. His retirement got scooped. He wants to make it about himself. So maybe this is like the whole, oh, it is a retirement tour now. Let's everybody give gifts to Tom Brady when he goes to their stadium. So do we think there's an announcement preseason this is the last run? Or... No, I hope not. Uh, no, I hope it not. is. I, I think the official number was he made it 40 days. I thought at least thought, like I was kind of assumed Brady was going to come. Like I was like, I'll believe it when I see it, that he stays retired sort of. But I at least thought he'd make it like, through mini camps, uh, you know, maybe come back in time for training camp. Like he didn't miss any off season activity. He didn't miss anything. <laughs> he announced before free. He announced before the league year even began the new league year. He announced he was coming back and that allowed the bucks to resign all these guys. Jensen, Ryan Jensen took a decreased uh, deal that he probably could have gotten. Uh, they got Chris Godwin deal worked out. It was a Carlton Davis. I believe they resigned. So yeah, the Bucks will like still. They're basically running it back, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure the Bucks will be good. But yeah, at some point, you think Brady has to not be as good. But I mean, the least surprising NFL story ever that the most insane competitive man in NFL history didn't make it 40 days of retirement before being like, "I'm back at age 44." <laughs> like for me, one of the most. I mean, he got uh, you know. I have no argument, no qualms that he is the greatest NFL player of all time, but maybe the one of the most annoying things about him as a fan of <laughs> other teams was that he was good and, like, the best until the end, and that was when he was 44 years old. And that's the one thing that I think he may, you know, he he might not keep that with, with a bad season or an awkward or painful season, but... Yeah, they'll probably go to the Super yeah, Bowl, I, he's, and, and, um, then, and then we'll have the whole conversation over Brady, again. They, Brady's won the Super Bowl every even-numbered year since 2014, so <laughs> I think he's oh, like, it's gosh. 2022, it's my time. Uh, <laughs> one more. Mercury's in retrograde, like, that. perfect. This is The stars are aligning. Give me the avocado ice cream, as, as Tim so perfectly mentioned. All right, enough of, the, enough of Tom Brady. Uh, quickly, I want to mention um, the passing of John Clayton, who was a very very famous and well-respected uh nfl reporter for espn i think he was at espn for 20 years um but the career spanned like 50 years he, he did work with the seattle seahawks for a long time um did some radio stuff for them as well maybe most remembered for the funniest this is sports center commercial where he he, he like looks like, and for all intents and purposes, was the most like mild mannered, kind sort of like accountant looking NFL insider, and in the ad is is portrayed as instead, uh, the Will Ferrell like <laughs> living in his mom's house at the age of fifty. Big was it Slayer so had a fan? Slayer, or, yeah. <laughs> Slayer fan. Yeah. Anyway, um, but he passed away uh, uh, in the past week, and it was a legend of 
being like an NFL insider, NFL reporter. And for our age, like our demographic, he was like, when we were, whatever, middle school, like first paying attention to the NFL beyond just the games, was like one of the guy, one of the dudes, basically, in, in that era, um, which I guess for us would what be like the early 2000s, early to middle 2010s. Mm-hmm. It seemed like um, he was just constantly on SportsCenter. Like, like I like I didn't know like if he slept or like I was just like he did like, and that was when they did like SportsCenter. I feel like live like every hour, and it was just like he was just constantly on there. It was like I was like, yeah, you. I felt like John Clayton was in your life like so much because he was on every single sports center like multiple times a day and the 6 p.m the 11 p.m the the morning he was always there so yeah he he was obviously a huge part of that era kind of obviously he like mentioned like chef like adam schefter before schefter basically Uh, chris mortensen before mortensen it seemed like (laughs) at least from the the visibility angle anyway yeah so yeah Yeah. so wanted wanted to uh make sure that we mentioned uh john clayton uh, he will be uh, he'll be missed, but wanted to mention him on the pod. Anything else, guys? Before we well, get to uh, to Jace taking over uh, doing this random raven, we just have to uh, touch on for our, our real commanders heads hashtag take command out there. Um, the Carson Wentz trade is so funny to me. Like the the it, it, it was like the second move that happened, and at the time it was like whoa crazy offseason Carson Wentz to the Commanders. But now so many crazy things have happened. It like felt like it almost got lost in the shuffle. But like. You know, I, I'm a once I'll say defender to a point. He's not as bad as his stats reflect, but he seems like one of the most hated guys in the NFL. Like his teammates, like seem to universally despise him, which is probably a problem for your quarterback. Like he only threw seven interceptions last year, but they all seem to be the absolute worst possible times uh, to throw picks. Um, so, so he's like not clutch. <laughs> he's he 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 just is spinning the wheels of everything that's been wrong with the Commanders. Like I'm sure he'll be fine. But they've been fine. They've won seven games, like, six of the last seven years. They've gone, like, seven and nine. So, like, uh, you know, I don't think he solves a problem, but somehow just, like, continue. they'll probably be there multiple years because of his contract, and then they'll draft a quarterback who will stink. So I just feel bad for my Commanders uh, fan friends. And then uh, Tim mentioned it, uh, Chris Ballard getting a little too much praise for importing Matt Ryan, you know fine trade for the Colts third round pick that's hard to quibble with a guy that's good and they had the cap space the Falcons are burning this thing to the ground in a way I don't think we've seen NFL teams do in quite a while if you're making your who is the worst NFL team of 2022 bets uh, I have to imagine the Falcons will be one of the favorites um they are eating 40 million dollars dead cap hit to trade Matt Ryan for a third round pick like we have not seen a team tear it down quite like that obviously uh calvin ridley has also been suspended for a year i believe we talked about that last show so it's it's a big teardown in atlanta the likes of which i think we haven't seen maybe uh since those you know the one in 31 cleveland browns a few years ago so that you know just one to watch the falcons are going to be real bad this year we're probably not going to talk about them i believe the ravens actually do play the falcons right yeah they play the nfc south so they play the falcons at home so let's win that game in 2022 but uh um, yeah, Falcons are going to be real bad, and um, you know I'm sure we've mocked Matty Ice on this program uh, over the years, but you know what a a dutiful soldier for the Atlanta Falcons for many years. You would probably say close to their best player in franchise history, certainly their best quarterback uh, overall. 
Uh, probably less exciting than Michael Vick, certainly, but um, uh, yeah, you know, and he leaves kind of unceremoniously for a third round pick, but he's another guy, as we mentioned, he's going to make the Colts competitive, I think, in the AFC uh, South, so that's annoying. <laughs> that's yet another AFC team that's improved their quarterback situation from last year. So that's the only other thing I just want to touch on is the most recent news, because I do think it... It hurts the Ravens and that it makes the Colts better uh, today because Matty, uh, Matt Ryan's still good. Matty Ice is still solid. Um, and, yeah, the Falcons are going to be horrible uh, in 2022. Um, to, to Not to pip your latest, latest news, Uh-oh. but as of recording, uh, 6.52 p.m. on Monday, March 21st, uh, a tweet from one Zadarius Smith, who is in Minnesota right now, quote, Meet at the quarterback, smiley face emoji. So it looks like at least one good player is not going to the AFC, but it looks like Zadarius Smith is going to get paid by the Minnesota Vikings. So if you're listening, if you're listening to this uh, on Tuesday or later in the week, and you're like, "Why aren't they talking about it?" It happened right as we're wrapping here. So we'll find out the details later. Uh, well, interested to see how much more money he gets, if any more, uh, from Minnesota compared to what he had in Baltimore. But a different shade of purple for Zadarius. Yeah, it'll be nice to see if my. Uh point about him not making more money is disproven before the very end of the episode that i was talking about it on um but yeah that so that's gonna do it last thing to do jace uh can you give us those random yes yeah, so it seems like tim has this one uh which is on hashtag on brand for tim given this player's position but uh we'll go uh number one this player joined the ravens in 2001 after playing for the xfl's chicago enforcers the Tennessee State product spent four years in Baltimore, appearing in 63 games with 56 starts. This player, who wore number 66, also started three playoff games for the Ravens, following two following the 2001 season and their wildcard game in the 2003 season. And then, following the 2004 season, this player was not re-signed by the Ravens, and he latched on with the Buffalo Bills for 2005, where he made 14 starts. He was released by the Bills and signed with the Dolphins ahead of the 2006 season, where he made the final two starts of his career before an injury ended his season and, ultimately, his NFL career. This offensive lineman shares the same last name with two former random Ravens, including one who also played offensive line. Then the bonus clue, uh, if it wasn't, you know, I just said he was an offensive lineman. Specifically, he was a right guard for the Baltimore Ravens in his four years with the team. Antonio's still blanket, so we, we're running long, so I'll hit it. It is Benny Anderson. It is. It is. Random it is oh Benny Anderson. <laughs> Good pull, Tim. Great pull. I would have given that name like eight starts <laughs> as a Raven. <laughs> I, I was surprised. I was shocked to see not only a starter, a starter for multiple Ravens playoff teams. <laughs> right, like straight out of the XFL. They threw him. At the, the defending champs pulled an XFLer and said, you're our right guard now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, saw some good tape, Jace. <laughs> some good tape from Anderson. You know they got they got good players over there yeah, too. So uh, yeah, Benny Anderson. I mean, good on him. He, you know, just a six year NFL career, but a six year NFL career for an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee State who played a season in the XFL, which was a spring league, by the way. So he played in oh, the spring of two thousand one, then played fall football for the Ravens. Just pretty fascinating the whole the. Uh, the XFL in general, but yeah, uh, Benny Anderson, I agree. I did not expect uh, that many games from him, but yeah, four-year starter, basically, on the Ravens offensive line. The epitome of a random Raven, so fantastic choice, Jace, and great get, Tim. That is going to do it for us. 
for Jay Evans and Tim Horsey. I'm Antonio Barbera. We'll be back in two weeks with probably 10,000 more things <laughs> to talk about. Hopefully some, some more Ravens additions uh, and hopefully some players in the AFC moving to the NFC for just a little bit of balance. But for now, that'll do it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.